before we read Matthew 16, let me give you the context of where we are uh, in the Bible. Jesus is speaking with his uh, disciples, and he's just been explaining to them that he needs to die and rise again. And he's explaining to them why he needs to die and rise again. Don't you think that would be amazing if Jesus sat you down and he explained to you, not me, like Jesus is explaining why he had to die and rise again, you know, according to the scriptures. You're getting it firsthand, as it were, from the horse's mouth. Amazing. As Jesus explains this to his disciples, Peter, in true Peter fashion, jumps up and says, no ways, it's not going to happen, boss. Like, that sounds ridiculous. There's no you dying here. That doesn't fit in with our grand plan uh, for us or for you or for the, the nation. Uh, that's a bad idea. And Jesus rebukes him. If you know the story, he puts him in his spot. He says, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men, you know, basically take a seat. Um, and so the disciples, even after Jesus' explanation of why he had to die and rise again, they still don't, they still don't get it. They're, they're that sluggish in their understanding of spiritual things. So if, if you've read something in the Bible or you've heard a sermon and sometimes you're, let me not say that you're slow to understanding, but you, you struggle to get to grips with some spiritual truths, you're in great company uh, with the disciples and with me. We're going to look at a passage today that's fairly familiar to many of us, and I looked at it again and again, and I spent a lot of time in it, and I saw new things again that challenged me and encouraged me. And I was, I was so encouraged. I was like, yeah, I am slow. I'm slow to understand. I'm, I'm a bit sluggish as well. The Lord is patient with me, and revelation comes uh, in steps. Uh, and so let's read Matthew 16. Uh, we're going to read from verse 24 uh, to 28. Then I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to dig in here um, together this morning. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world, yet he loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come to your word again um, this morning. Once again, we want to pause and ask that uh, you would teach us, that you would speak to us, that you would reveal um, truth to us, the truth about who you are, the truth about who we are, life-giving spiritual truth that can shape us, can transform us, can help us, can speak grace to us again this morning. We acknowledge that uh, with our own limited human abilities, we can't, we can't see, we can't understand, but we're so grateful for the presence of the Spirit amongst us and your great gift of the Spirit to open up our eyes and to, to teach us and to speak the words of the living God amongst us this morning. And so we look to you now. 
and say, Father, please would you speak? Please would you give us grace to hear? Would you give our hearts grace to receive uh, from you this morning what you're saying to us? We're not here just to pass minutes and hours. We're here to meet with the living God. And we know that that's your great desire. And you plan in advance work that you want to do in our hearts, in our lives this morning, no matter who we are and where we come from. And so our hearts cry together this morning is, would you come and speak and would you come and move amongst us through the work of your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll start at the beginning of this and, and work our way through it. Uh, basically, Jesus is, is sort of saying the same thing a couple of times. Uh, and some of you, as we read this, you're like, oh, yeah, I've, I've read this before. I've got it. Like, I've denied myself. I've taken up my cross, and I'm following him. Like, you know, you, you, now you're ready into next week and thinking about your to-do list or whatever else. And I, I want to encourage you to pay a lot of attention, um, not just to me, but to what the Lord is saying in this passage. Because this is, this is a, a passage for all of us. This is a verse, this is a text for everyone, whether you call yourself a Christ follower or not. Uh, and if you, if you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, and you're here this morning, we're, we're delighted that you're here this morning. Uh, and, I, and I pray that as you listen to this, you will be encouraged, and you will be challenged, and you will be helped, and that the Lord would speak um, um, to you. Uh, so I'm going to break it down, uh, mainly to make it simple for myself. Uh, Jesus starts off, and he says, look, if anyone wants to come after me, he must do three things. And well, let's dive into those three things. What's the first thing is that he must deny himself, deny himself, and then take up his cross and then follow me. Deny himself. We, we, we live in an age, we live in a culture where you will not hear this message anywhere outside of the scriptures. You will hear the exact opposite of this everywhere else outside of the scriptures. The message and the call to deny yourself sounds like a message coming from a distant land or another universe. Every other message you hear is that you should what? Find yourself. People spend a lot of money and go to great lengths to find themselves. Some of you are maybe on a journey to find yourself. You can read a whole bunch of books. You can go on courses. You can go on retreats to find yourself, to find your true self, to, to live out your true you and speak your own, speak your truth. And our whole culture is completely and utterly confused when it comes to the idea of what it means to be yourself. And you don't hear this, deny yourself. All you hear is be yourself, celebrate yourself, find, you never understand. Um, step into your true self, the, one of the areas where you see this playing out most vividly at the moment, and I'm not out here to make any enemies this morning, all right, um, is in the whole area of gender confusion. The whole area of gender confusion. Um, this, this whole sort of gender revolution that we're still experiencing at the moment, you, you can now, according to our culture, choose who you want to be. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how God made you. How God, what, what sex God assigned to you, you get to choose one because, and because it's based on how you feel, how, how you feel and being true to yourself regardless of what your creator made you and how he designed you. You just, you just need to be true to your, yourself and whatever that feels and what, whatever's going on in, inside your own body or your own head or whatever else. And 
many people are having their lives ruined or wrecking their own lives by following this madness. Uh, you can tell what I think about it. Um, I think it is absolute madness, and some of you may disagree with me, but I think it's madness. Um, and partly because of this, because Jesus does not, and nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Gospels will you see the celebration of self. The only call you will ever hear in the Bible is to deny yourself. Not to find, but to deny. Not to find, to deny. That is a different thing. Our culture would put you and yourself at the center, and so the whole world revolves around you. Sizwe Mashinini, the world revolves around you. You are the center of your own universe. Everything orbits, and you need to find and unlock it. And within you lies everything that you need. Have you heard this? In you lies everything, and the secret to it is just unlocking. I don't know why I'm making all those weird. Uh, that doesn't look like I'm unlocking anything except my stiff hips. Uh, you need to unlock all the stuff that's inside of you, and then you can flourish and be your own little butterfly and just morph into whatever. And guys, I'm making light and little of it, but it's, it, it is, it's a heresy and it's nonsense, and it's hurting people. It's hurting people because the answer is not found inside. The answer is found outside that moves inside. I'll explain more later. This was vividly illustrated for me last night. Uh, we took our kids... Uh, with us because you can find a babysitter to the Imagine Dragons concert. Some of you don't know who Imagine Dragons is, and that's okay. One day you'll become a Christian, and then you'll find out who they are. Um, so we went along to this concert at FNB Stadium. It was it was so much fun. It was so lacquer. Um, I don't know how many thousand people there were there, but there were a lot of people there. And there was one part of the concert was that it was so it was so moving. And being there, you know, with all the people and the chiers and stuff, and we won the field. Claire's not one of those sit-in-the-stands kind of people at a concert. We always have to go and stand with all the riffraff there and jump up and down until your feet are sore. And we're standing there, and there's this moving part where, I don't know what the guy's name is. Anyway, he's the front man of this band who decided he didn't need a T-shirt from like halfway through the stage, the concert. And then, anyway, that's another story for another day. Um, but he, he, he does this question. He says, whose first concert is this? And he's trying to find somebody who's going to their first concert, and he finds some young kid, he's like 12 or 13, right by the stage, and he's looking at this light, and he's saying, I remember my first concert, you know, it was amazing, I'll never forget it, and then he starts to like just speak to this light, and he's just like, I just want to encourage you that, like, because this oak, whatever his name is, he obviously went through a bit of a rough patch, like growing up, like I think everyone told him like, you're a loser, you're never going to be anything, uh, you're lame, or whatever else, and like now he's obviously made quite a success of his life, because we're all standing there, um, you know, jumping up and down as he sings songs and stuff. So, and he's telling this light to you, like, and, and, and this is what's happening. He's saying to him, you can be whatever you want to be. Don't let anyone tell you what you can or can't do. You can do whatever you want on the whole crowd. And then the camera zooms in on this lighty's face. And I'm finding myself getting all choked up there because he's just, he's speaking like with such like authority and encouragement to this lighty. And that light is looking up at him and thinking, and the whole stadium, you can just feel the whole stadium like just cheering along like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I slapped myself upside the head like a few minutes later. I was like, that is utter nonsense, man. It's utter nonsense. Everyone is getting all up in their fields there and taking videos of it. And it's like, oh, it's like, I'm like, shut up. That's not true. That light, he can't be whatever he wants to be. He can be whatever God 
has made him to be in his unique shape and God-ordained purposes and the reason why he's on the planet. He can't be whatever he wants to be. I can't be a doctor. If my kids start bleeding, I'm done. They must sort themselves out. I'll call your mother. She knows how to deal with this stuff. If you puke, sort yourself. Call a sibling. I don't want to be near you. I can't be a doctor. I can't be an accountant. I can't times. I can't add. I can't be whatever I want to be. I can be who God has made me to be. I have very limited gifts. I want to do those things to love and help people and serve the purposes of God. You see, you've got a whole stadium celebrating this self-worship. You can do it. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Go, go, go. And I'm like, don't tell kids that, man. Tell them a different story. Don't discourage them. Cause them to dream big, but cause them to dream big in terms of understanding why they are here and how God has wired them and uniquely put them together. Why he's calling them to himself. And why when he puts his spirit in people, everything changes. Tell them that story. But you're not going to hear that at a concert. Because it doesn't wash. You're not going to have everyone going, ooh, ah, with phones in a stadium. They're going to be like, huh? What the hell are you on about? But there last night, it's on display for me. The gospel of the self. The elevation of us at the center. And Jesus' words sound, like I said, like from another planet. If you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself. That's where it starts, guys. It starts with a denial of self, not a finding of yourself, a denying of yourself. And then what? He says you deny yourself and you take up your cross. If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross. I, I had not seen this with this clarity before. Take up your cross. It needs to get picked up. It needs to get picked up. I mean, I know it sounds like it took you that long to see that. You know, I was not a good student at school. English comprehension with Mr. McMurtry went sailing over my head. But pick up your cross. It's something that you choose to do. You pick it up. No one dumps it on you. No one forces you to carry a cross like Jesus had, his, uh, had to have a cross, and then they catch, is it Simon of Cyrene, and say, hey, China, you carry his cross, and there's just like no, no option about it, like carry. It says that you have, to, you have to choose to pick up a cross, your cross. You pick it up. Now, there's a lot of confusion around what this means, and we have appropriated the language out of this and brought it into um, general culture, haven't we? Everyone talks about their, their, their cross that they have to carry. As if it's like a burden, oh, it's my cross to bear. You know, and you're, what, what, what is it not? What is Jesus not talking about here? Well, he's, he's not talking about um, some circumstances that you have to go through. Um, health ailments, that, that's not your cross to bear. It's not, it's, not, it's not an overbearing boss. It's not a difficult spouse. It's not health issues. It's not family dysfunction. We could keep going. It's nothing circumstantial that Jesus is asking you to pick up. Those are things that you find yourself in. A cross is something that you choose to pick up. You choose to pick it up and carry it. That's what it means. T tough, tough circumstances provide plenty of opportunities for us to, to pick up a cross, but the circumstance itself is not the cross. It just gives us an opportunity to choose a cross in that moment. 
and not bail on it and choose the way of Jesus instead of the way of grumbling. What does it mean? What does it mean to pick up your cross? Well, it means that it means the same for us as it meant for Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian, said that when Christ bids a man, he, he bids him come and die. When Christ bids a man, he bids him come and die. That's the invitation from Jesus, is to take up your cross and follow Jesus where he took his cross. That's to his death. It's not, it's not like uh, you get to pick up a cross. Okay, cool, Jesus, I got the cross. We're going on an adventure. Where are we going? That's, it's, there's no adventures like that. It's, you're going to your own death. That's what's happening. That's the call of Jesus. If you want to follow me, deny yourself. Take up the cross. Take up the cross that leads to the same place that the cross took me. And that's to death. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Paul understood this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is what's true about you. You have been crucified together with Jesus. And it's no longer you that live. Christ lives in you. The life that you live is the life of Christ in you. You don't have an independent life outside of him. Your life comes from him. I'm going to explain this more as we dig into Romans 6 uh, in a couple of minutes now. Take up your cross. It's not a circumstantial heaviness. It's a decision you take to follow Jesus to your own death, as it were. And we're talking about spiritual things. We're not talking about physical death here, by the way. Then he says, follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. He doesn't say, he doesn't say feel certain things about me. He says, feel warm affection for Jesus. He, do, he doesn't say ascribe to a set of beliefs about me. He doesn't say mark on a form when you're asked what faith you are, Christian. He doesn't say, well, consider me a great teacher and example. He just says, follow me. Those are two of maybe some of the most powerful words in the scriptures when Jesus speaks to them. He says, follow me. You might ask, like, where, Jesus? Well, in this particular instance, it's where? To the cross. Jesus has just been explaining to the disciples that he needs to die and rise. And then he's like, take up your cross and follow me. Guys, in weeks, you're going to see this happening. I'm going to go and I'm going to go to my death on a cross. Follow me. The first and most important place we follow him is in cross-bearing to a spiritual death so that we can share in his life. But I think it expands. And when you want to know how, how should you live your life, what does God require of you if you're a believer in Jesus? What does God require of you? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Where is he going? Where is Jesus? I can't see him. The reality of the, the teaching of the scriptures is that Jesus says it's better if I go. It's better if I go because then I'm going to send another one who will be with you because he will be in you. And he will lead you and he will teach you. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit is to guide believers so that they can discern 
what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. That's how you know how to follow. And then you, you spend time in this word, and you read it, and you see it calls an obedience out of you. It calls obedience. In what way is it? It calls obedience towards holiness, so we don't dabble with sin in our lives. It calls uh, obedience to evangelism, to sharing the gospel with people, to living as ambassadors of Jesus. It calls to obedience of that. It calls to obedience of loving and serving the poor. It calls to obedience of sharing your things with others. It calls to obedience again and again and again. If you want to follow Jesus, just follow what he's calling you to. It's a long list. It changes every single part of your life. It changes how you work tomorrow morning. It's not just church stuff. Church for most people or church gatherings, it's like the tiniest little part of your week, isn't it? Most of you are working, jobs, studying, whatever else. How do you follow Jesus there? You need to understand what is the call of Jesus in Monday to Saturday? How do you live out what God has called and gifted you to do in the week while you're following him? You're not living for yourself. You're living for him because you have, you've died to yourself and you're living for and to him. So it's possible to live that out as a doctor, teacher, accountant, whatever. It's possible to do that because your eyes are fixed on him and you're living for him and following him. What does Jesus then say after that? Follow me. He says, verse 25, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the, the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? This is this, this, is this amazing mystery you see in the gospel. And what Jesus teaches. Hey, if you want to keep something, lose it. In the losing, you get to actually keep what really matters. If you want to keep, you need to lose. And in the losing, you get to keep and you find what really matters. I, I saw this with new eyes uh, again this morning. Whoever loses his life because of me will find it. There's some people who think that if you follow Jesus, it's only a matter of saying no, 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 losing out on all of these things. It's like, oh, poor us. You know, look at all these things we've given up to follow Jesus. Jesus, just so tough, eh? But you know what? Thankfully, we're going to be in heaven and Jesus will reward us one day and it'll all be worth it kind of thing. But for, as for now, you know, it's just, it's lame. We've got to white knuckle it and just get through. But what Jesus says, if you, if you lose your life because of him, you find it. And you find it now, not only then, you find life that is truly life. What did Jesus say? He said, Satan came comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus, I have come that you may have life in all of its fullness. I have come that you may have life in abundance. Does that sound like you're missing out? Does that sound like you're being overlooked by God? No, no, no. That sounds like what life is really meant to be like. Life in all of its fullness. The reason why our lives are often such a mess because we don't believe Jesus. We don't believe that in Him and in following Him, there is life that is truly life. We don't. That we think we need a MacGyver and make our own plan over here because following Him, nah, it's tough. You know, we go without these things and we think that we need them and so we crowbar them in and it's Jesus plus something equals, meanwhile it's meant to be Jesus plus nothing equals everything. 
Let me ask you a question. This is our question for the week. By the way, we are doing the questions of Jesus series. We haven't got to a question. Here is the question. What will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses his life? You can only answer that question intelligently when you answer the question, what would be your whole world? What would be your whole world? What is your deepest desire that if you could put it all together, you say, that is my whole world. Life is just perfect now. Jesus says, you can have all of that. And it doesn't weigh on the scales. It doesn't, doesn't tilt the scales. It's not a comparison thing. You can have all of that, all of your heart's desires and your greatest dreams. And if it costs you life in Jesus, it's worth absolutely nothing. And guys, I think that in, in our part of the world here, you know, I would preach this differently in different places, but in our part of the world, everyone's bought into that kind of narrative that you, you need a good job um, so you can make good money, live in a nice home, have nice kids, you know, and, and live your life either through your kids or see your kids grow up and be successful, make enough money, maybe you can have a holidays or holiday home, uh, maybe secure a foreign passport, um, so you've got an option to get out of here if everything goes pear-shaped. You know, that's the dream. You've got retirement savings, maybe you've got a plan to move to the coast, live on a golf course. You know, I hear again and again people's hearts, desires, and dreams, and you look at their life and you see how they're engineering everything, and say, that's their whole world. And that narrative plays out again and again, and it's crept its way into the lives of believers. That is the whole world. And you know what's missing in that narrative of the whole world? Jesus. Jesus is the missing piece in that narrative. Because it's a chasing after comfort. It's a chasing after security, after material things. And the Bible makes it abundantly clear. Paul says to your life is not made up in the abundance of your possessions. Warn those who are rich amongst you that their life is not made up in the abundance of their possessions. It says warn them. So here's your warning again. I warn myself in the week, so I'm not talking down at you, I'm talking to myself. Here's the warning from the Bible. Your life is not made up in the abundance of your possessions. Give them away. I mean it. I mean it. Give away things that you treasure the most and see what happens in your own heart. See how free it makes you to live this life with open hands, with loose hands, and see what else God may, may put in your hands to then give to somebody else. I'm not saying he's going to give it to you. I'm just saying I think God's desire is that his people are more conduits than containers. God wants to bless the nations of the world rather than have his believers hoard everything. That's why God's given you more, is so that you would be a greater blessing to others, not that you would have greater levels of comfort. I am nowhere, I don't know where I am in my notes anymore, so I'm just now just going with whatever. This is difficult for us, though, because some of you are sitting here thinking, whatever, China, you chose a life of poverty as a pastor. You have to live with it kind of thing. You know, we've dodged that bullet. You know, we're okay. Yeah, we've avoided the Lord's call. This is not a Christian uh, pastor thing. It's not a full-time ministry thing. This is a 
take up your cross and follow me and deny yourself thing. And I think there's a lot of joy in living with open hands as a disciple of Jesus. So let me ask you again, what does the whole world look like for you? How hard are you chasing after your whole world? And what is it costing your soul? Because I have to warn you as a pastor, I don't want any of you, because I answer for what I teach you and I answer for your spiritual health. I don't want any of you to stand before Jesus one day and say, I never heard that. I never heard a warning that I could chase after everything my soul desired and it wouldn't cost me my soul. I'm warning you this morning. I'm warning you this morning that if you chase harder after those things and it costs you your soul, you end up with nothing. And Jesus says you can't give anything in exchange for your soul. You're not buying it back post case. It all happens now. You make the decision now. What will you live for? What will you chase after? What will you prioritize? Will it be Jesus? Will it be his kingdom? Or will it be the whole world? And it's plain as day what he's saying we should do. I want us to close by looking at Romans 6 because Paul writes this letter to the church in Rome and it explains to them this truth of what's happened in these believers. Let's have a look at Romans 6. We'll read from 1 to verse 11. It says, what, what should we say then? Um, he's just been, he's been talking about law and grace and, and, and the gospel. So what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? No, absolutely not. We don't want to sin more so that there's more grace. That's, that's madness, he says in verse 2. Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So, you too, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. What, what, what Paul is explaining here and teaching is the, if you look it up in a theological book, it, the, 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 it's called the doctrine of union with Christ. This is one of the most mind-boggling, mind-bending things you can come to understand as a, as a Christian. And I would say this is foundational and essential. You have to understand this. You may not understand it this morning, and that would be my fault. But you have to find another way to understand this, because if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what is most true about you. Let me try and explain what's happened here, what Paul explains. He says that Jesus died and was raised to life and is set free from the power of sin and from the effect of sin and from death forever. He says, by faith, 
what happens when you place faith in Jesus is that you share in the death of Jesus. You then share in the resurrection with Jesus. And whatever is true of Jesus is then true of you because you are united with Jesus. There is, be careful with my words here, there is no distinction between Jesus and you. Yes, there is a distinction. You are not Jesus. Jesus is not you. We're not becoming old pantheists, pantheists like God is in the trees, he's in you, he's in all of us. One big, the divine that we all join into, whizzy, whizzy. Uh, Jesus is distinct, he's different, he's the eternal son of God. But there is a union, there is a uniting of those who place faith in Jesus with him so that all of your life is in him because his life is in you. And that life is a resurrected life. So the Father treats the Son in the same way that the Father treats you because your life, Paul says, your life is hidden in Christ with God. Why am I making this a big deal? Because, because if it's true, and it is, that you died with Jesus and you were raised to life with Jesus and you're seated in the heavenlies with Jesus, these spiritual truths, then your sin is forgiven. Did you hear me? All of your sin is forgiven. Jesus dealt with it all completely. Past, present, and future sin is dealt with. All of your sin, all of your shame, all of your guilt is gone. It's all gone. And all you receive is life in Jesus, a resurrection life that lasts for all eternity. And that is secure in heaven because Jesus is secure in heaven. No one can snatch you out of the kingdom. It's, it's amazing that we are united to Jesus in this way. I, I, I can think of f few things that we have to get our heads around because it changes what, how you live when you wake up tomorrow morning. Who will you live for? How will you feel about yourself? How will you feel about the shame that comes knocking at your door? How will you deal with the guilt and the regret that comes? What will you do with the lies that Satan throws at you again in this coming week? What will you do? Here's what you do. You go and remind him. You go and remind him, listen, China, that's my favorite word at the moment, China. I don't know. I'll go through phases. Listen, China, I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Take it up with him. Leave me alone. That's not me. That stuff doesn't stick to me. Satan can't accuse you of an old identity and the stuff you did do because what? That's not you anymore. You were crucified with Christ. You're a new creation in him. Your life is defined by who he is, not who you are. Union with Christ. Verse 11, so you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. Let me close here. Let me ask you that question again. What will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and loses his life? The answer is nothing. It doesn't gain you anything if you chase after everything and it costs you your life. And this is something that's true and important both for uh, people who aren't followers of Jesus yet and those of you who are. It's a call to both of us, uh, groups of people, to, to, to die daily. 
for some of you, maybe this is the first time you've heard this. It's the first time you've maybe heard this message or been in a church where they've challenged you to say, hey, uh, when Christ calls you, he calls you to come and die. And that would be my invitation to you today. Hey, come to your own funeral this morning. Accept Jesus' invitation to your own funeral so that you can die with him, so that you can rise with him, and that you can know life that is truly life. You don't have to make a life for yourself. You don't have to chase after the world's empty things. You get to receive everything that Jesus has given and longs for you. It's a completely different way to live. And I want to encourage you that maybe this morning, it's your day. It's your day. And, and, and I mentioned this, as I was praying this week, I was thinking, I remembered a guy uh, years ago when I was preaching, actually on a similar passage, even maybe the same verses on this. Uh, he was in his 70s, and he came to me uh, after a service where I made the same call. Like us. I said, hey, come, come uh, and put faith in Jesus Christ. He came. He said, you know, I've been in church. He had been in church for like 30 years, I think. 30 years. He thought he was a Christian. Those were his words to me. I thought I was a Christian. And it wasn't because my sermon was amazing. It was pretty average, um, actually, if I'm honest. He said it felt like God was pointing and poking in my chest the whole time he was speaking. And when you called at the end, I felt like Jesus was saying it's time to come home. He had sat in the church for 30 years hearing message after message after message, and God turned the lights on one Sunday evening for him. I don't know how and why God does things like that. But maybe he's doing it for you this morning. You've heard this a million times. God is waking up your heart. And he's saying, you actually haven't. You actually haven't died to yourself yet. You're still living for yourself. You haven't taken up any cross. And you're not following me. Today's your day. Not next week. Today's your day. And for those of you who are believers, it's an encouragement. It's a reminder that this is what we're all about is a daily, a daily dying to ourselves. A daily dying to ourselves so that we can live for him. Bible says that if you want to walk by the Spirit, you've got to keep in step with the Spirit. It's a day after day after day. I think tomorrow morning you're going to be challenged again to choose. Do you live for yourself or will you live for Him? Will you feed your flesh or will you walk by the Spirit? What will you do? Let's, let's go all out to follow Him. I promise you guys it's worth it. And may God help us. Let me pray for us as we come to communion this morning. Lord Jesus, it's so, um, it's so clear, it's so clear when you say that, that you call us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow you. It's not complicated, it's just difficult. And we look to you again for your help this morning. We acknowledge our need. We're such self-loving people. We love to put ourselves at the middle, at the center of our own lives, to make you an afterthought. We pray that you would forgive us for that. And I pray that for all of us this morning, you would capture our hearts again, that you would give us grace to die to ourselves again, to take up our cross, to follow you, to love you, to see you as, as worth following. As Kath was saying earlier, that, that picture again of that man who finds a treasure in the field and sells everything that he has so that he can buy the field, that you would be like that treasure for us again this morning. 
you are worth it. There's no, nothing that compares to you. All of the world's things are just that. They aren't, they aren't life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And I pray that you give us grace to believe that and receive it again this morning. And I pray for any of you here this morning who've never um, crossed that, taken that step of faith, crossed over, and yet they feel this morning that you have been harassing them either today or for a period of time, and it's time to place faith in you. It's time to pick up their cross and follow you and to enter into life. And I pray that you would be resurrecting people. I pray you'd be drawing them to yourself. Give them life in Jesus' name. As we come to celebrate communion together, we remember you, Jesus, that it cost you your body and blood it was the costliest things ever given for us. It, it cost that, that we, would be, we could be reconciled to the Father. You, you died in our place for our sins so that we could die to sin. And again this morning as we turn our minds and our affection and our hearts to you now as we eat and drink together, we remember you. And we're so thankful for your sacrifice for us. Come and speak to us. You know, you know what each of us need. You know how we each need to respond to what you have said and what you're doing in our hearts this morning. Give us grace now to respond. Holy Spirit, would you come and work amongst us and in us this morning? Now we ask in Jesus' name.